Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son sit down and talk about fantasy. I'm the son of that equation, Zach. And I'm the father, Jim. Thanks for being with us here today for another one of our Wheel of Time episodes, moving further into the fantastic book three, The Dragon Reborn. Woohoo! Yeah, exactly. We're, we're making great progress. It's a lot of fun. Sometimes I wish we could get through it faster even, because there's so much more to come, but you can only go so fast. It's so good. There's so much to talk about. We'll get there. But before we get into talking about the stuff, how you doing today, Zach? I'm doing okay. It's been a day. Granted, it's been a <laughs> week. So I started my job, my new job. It's it's great. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It also means I wake up my time at like six or earlier every morning, including today. Yeah. I'm not used to that. Yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. That's not an ungodly hour. No, but I'm not used to that. Plus, I currently am working in a medical-ish field, and today did a flu clinic of sorts, after which we had fun drinks, good time. So I came home and had drank a little bit and fell asleep. So I woke up like five minutes ago. Again, at least. Oh, yeah. So something about uh, mimosas after the clinic. Is, is that right? Yeah. Someone decided <laughs> it was a good idea to open all of the bottles of Prosecco that we were using for mimosas instead of like one at a time, like a sane person. Oh, 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 oh you poor boy. So I just like <laughs> felt bad and was like, oh, we shouldn't leave, like, half-empty bottles or something. And So I had more than I maybe should have, faster than I should have. <laughs> I was fine. I was responsible. I was smart. Um, I have some Prosecco in the fridge that I brought home. Open container laws aren't a thing. We're not going <laughs> to worry about it. But Jordo is assuming that water will be what you're drinking now today. What Would I'm drinking now today will be water, which is to say I'm not drinking yet, but I was planning, I was fully planning to be drinking water. I, I've eaten bread, and I'm planning to drink water. I just <laughs> bread and water. <laughs> I haven't done it yet, so uh, okay. we'll get there. But your job is going well. You are enjoying what you're doing. Definitely. Um, it's kind of right where I wanted to be right now, and it's it's really... It's a nice job, and I enjoy it. Good. Well, I'm doing well on my end. I didn't have any sleep issues. I do still get up before 6 a.m., but I also go to sleep probably far earlier than you tend to do, um, being all social with your friends and stuff, video games. and You also don't wake up before my 6 a.m., just yours. Well, no. <laughs> But I did not do that today. This is a Saturday, so I slept in till 7 a.m. on my, my part. <laughs> anyways, nice, simple day, uh, not having anything too much to do. Actually, I, I just finished editing another one of our episodes, so just after we're done here, I'll be dropping a midweek special for our patrons. So always Ooh. like to get that stuff out early for them. Yeah, yeah. 
and I'm drinking more than water. What are you drinking? I made well, I made another new one. I'll show it to everybody here. It's called the Gray Man. Very appropriate for things we've been talking about recently. And this one has vodka, Malibu rum, a little Bailey's Irish cream, Ooh. and pineapple juice. And it's that combination mm. of the Irish cream and the pineapple that gives us the grayness. And you throw that coconut flavor in there too. It's actually quite delicious. That just sounds like curdling in your stomach. It didn't though. It didn't. I mean, well, maybe it will yeah, in my you, stomach. You but haven't anything seen it in your alcohol yet. sounds curdling to you right now, son. No, no. Anything alcohol sounds <laughs> fairly tasty. I just know that I should avoid things that are like cream based. Um, the, the carbon <laughs> dioxide wouldn't like me. Um, yeah, stick to the bread and water. Bread and water. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, some notes for today. Just a couple of simple, quick things. Uh, one, our Wheel of Time trailer teaser breakdown episode. Yes. Holy cow. The downloads on that are nuts. We have never had an episode skyrocket as fast as this one. Help me out. Uh, we only dropped it on Wednesday. It's already over 250 Com- plays and downloads. Comparison to when this is going to drop and when that did, how long has it been? From when this actually goes live or... or... Both. Say what? Both from when it we're three- recording was- now and when we're... Yeah. When this will drop. That's what I said first. It was three days ago. Mm-hmm. And when this drops is going to be still like two weeks from now. So I for think. us, it's been yeah. a very short period of time. For y'all, um, it's been a little while, but we'll have had even more downloads probably by then. Probably. But yeah, we've never had one go this high in downloads so quickly. I mean, we have plenty of episodes in the back catalog, you know that get get up there and but to beat this one that only dropped three days ago you got to go back over a month now so the other episodes are still getting listened to but people apparently are kind of excited about the wheel of time series uh coming out on amazon and that's good because we do want Mm -hmm. lots of people to watch it we want it to be awesome and have great ratings and go for a solid eight plus seasons honestly it's been really encouraging but also hilarious to me uh seeing the last couple days as we released that episode these views listens downloads have been coming in and you've been sending me texts and going look it passed this one it passed this one it's doing better than anything (laughs) and it's just been really exciting to see all the people who clearly are interested in really a show Mm-hmm, definitely. All right, one other note. In a previous recording, and again, I don't remember exactly how many episodes <laughs> back it's going to be now from when this one drops, uh, but I used the word hinky. And I was right. Yeah, I told you I would look it up afterwards, because you were like, come on, that's an old word, and I've never even heard you use it. I'm, I'm like, no, I use it. I'm pretty okay. sure I used I looked- the phrase, that's a word that like your parents would use yeah and i did tell you i looked it up and you were right that's correct it i was using it properly Mm -hmm. but it's yeah it goes back to the 1950s really where hinky was a popular word so eh, i'm showing the the breadth of my cultural knowledge no you're showing you're old 
<laughs> I'm not that old, though. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, that's it for our announcements. Let's get into the content. Yes. We've got two Let's chapters today, chapters 19 and 20. And you know what this means. Listeners will get my honest reaction because I am still very tired. but most importantly i'm excited because this is finally matrim coffin time which we get to we get to matt we get matt pov for the first time in this book and it's 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 the first time ever this is the first matrim coffin point of view in the entirety of the wheel of time and I'm kind of a s- upset that I was just asleep for this because I have been waiting for this for months of our recording. <laughs> I have been upset at each and every book that hasn't had this. Here it is. And you nearly slept through the episode. <laughs> I was planning to be here. I did everything I could to stay awake and apparently fell asleep anyway. But, you know, I wasn't that late. Nah, nah. All right. Well, let's see what happens. Chapter 19 hilariously is called Awakening, Zachary. (laughs) Very appropriate for you. Awakening. Uh, It begins with just that. The healed Matt Cawthon is waking up in a room in the White Tower. But he doesn't know that's where he is. He has no idea where he is. He's just somewhere that's obviously got money I mean, it seems very ritzy and fancy, and the mattress he's on is Mm -hmm. extremely comfortable. I mean, it's no two-bit inn with a little, you know, mattress stuffed with straw. I mean, this is plush. This is awesome. This is that nice memory foam stuff. (laughs) Yeah. You could, like, sense a pee just between one of the spots here and there. He's aware. Top level. That's right. Exactly. So he doesn't really know where he is. And he doesn't know how he got wherever he is. That's disconcerting. Uh, in fact, he's he's waking up sensing he's got a whole bunch of memory holes. There's there's pieces of the last days, weeks, months that he can't remember. It, pieces are missing. Mm-hmm. So he sits there trying to think about what can he remember. And... He remembers this and that and jumbled things since leaving the two rivers. He remembers leaving the two rivers. But everything's all jumbled and it feels like a a dream. Mm -hmm. He can't even be sure what the things he's remembering, what's real, what is a dream. Which, two-sided on that, one is terrifying for me. Um, Losing your memory, one of the most terrifying things that I can imagine. It just feels like losing yourself and so that's terrifying but on the other side of things what does this really kind of say about has it been real has some of it been dream times is some of what he remembers dreams we don't know because we haven't had matt povs right now here's a loaded comment though of what i just said a um, a bit ago that i want to reference again because it fits our spoiler light format Mm mm-hmm What's real? What's a dream? Who knows? Hmm. That will get very complex as we move through this series. Indeed. Just letting you know. (laughs) All right. Then as Matt's thinking through his, his recollections, he murmurs a phrase of the old tongue. 
and his mind actually wanders into a memory. But it's not really his memory, is it? Because he's he's thinking of a battle where mm-hmm. he's actually leading part of an army of Manetherin during the Trolloc Wars. What the heck is going on there, Zach? It is an impossible memory. A memory that he couldn't possibly actually have as him being a memory. And truthfully, in this moment, we don't get a whole lot of explanation And so the best that I can say without spoiling too much in any way, shape, or form is that Matt seems to have some element of memory that doesn't belong to him, but belongs in him. Interesting. We did, of course, just before this, have the chapter where he was healed. Mm -hmm. And he had that whole outburst of the old tongue. Indeed. And he's yelling at Aes Sedai. And the Amerlin explained to the girls that he was both back in that ancient time and here at the same time. This is probably, therefore, connected in some way that he has ties mm-hmm. to these old memories, even though they're not his memories, but they're still in him somehow. Very complicated. And I, yeah, we'll be looking for more mm-hmm. clarification on that. I unfortunately realized that I um, spoke my deeper thoughts on that in the spoiler room, so I can't go too deep. But I can go a certain level of deep each step of the way. There you go. Matt doesn't want to think about the old tongue, though. Or the old blood. Why not? It's very pretty. Remember Moraine had mentioned, ah, the old blood runs strongly in you, young Padawan. Oh, no, sorry. She didn't say that. Are they midichlorians? (laughs) It could be. Uh, But he doesn't want to think about how this is creeping forward in him and impacting his here and now. It's like, This is weird stuff. I don't want weird stuff. I just want to be me. I just want to be cool Matt. Happy-go-lucky Matt. Matt, you are cool. You are happy-go-lucky. You're just, you know, apparently something else, too. I don't know. Now, you mentioned this is our first POV with Matt. So we actually, this is brilliant what Robert Jordan does. This whole chapter is just him thinking to himself about things. And we, we get to learn how he processes, how he looks at things. I mean, we get some great insights very quickly on this character. So that was pretty cool. Okay, thinking. What does he think? What does he remember? He's he's just trying to put these things together. He Mm -hmm. gets up, and he feels really weak. And he walks over to a mirror, because he remembers being sick. And something to do with a a ruby-hilted dagger and Shatter Logoth. But the whole pieces aren't there. He, he does remember Egwene and Nynaeve were bringing him to Tar Valon for healing, but that's all he's got. So he gets himself going, and he gets over to a big mirror, and he looks at himself. Mm-hmm. And what does he see? Well, while he'd been thinking of an uh, interesting adventure and a fun, pretty-looking dagger, he sees, well, he basically sees a skeleton with flesh. He is absolutely rotting away on his bones, basically. No wonder he feels so weak. It's amazing he's actually able to stand. Then he notices, oh, look at that, a large tray of food and drink sitting on a nearby table. I could go for that right now, just a a nice tray of food and drink right next to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that is what he thinks, and he toddles over to it, and he pulls off the the blanket and starts eating. Wait, a blanket Um, or a cloche? Not a cloche. It was covered with a cloth. 
Okay. I remember the book said. It's not really a blanket, but, you know, covered with, a, like, a food covering cloth. I was just very confused why food would be covered with a blanket. I'm picturing, like, a full Afghan or something. And I'm like, oh, what? Yeah. Very practical. Very practical. He notices this food, you know, it's, like, from four different people. You know, I mean, it's it's a huge amount of food, but it must be here for him. So he starts nibbling on some of the food, but he doesn't sit down at it. He actually is also still trying to puzzle things out. He goes over, with food in hand, over to the window. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look out the window. Maybe I can see where I'm at. What? Well, it's night. <laughs> so it's dark outside. Let's get my bearings. Nope. Nope, not going to happen. He can see some other windows with lights in the distance, but mm-hmm. nothing that he can make out. There's not enough light around. Setting his mind to it, he figures he's got to be in Tarvalon. Mm-hmm. That must be... Because even though he feels so weak and emaciated, he doesn't feel unwell. He feels like the healing must have been done. Otherwise, well, he'd probably be dead. (laughs) So he senses the one power must have been used on him. And he just needs, apparently, to heal now. I mean, to get his energy back or something. Yeah. Little uh, that the one power was used on him, but uh, it's better than being dead, is kind of what he thinks. To the best of his knowledge, or even to ours, Matt hasn't been to Tarvalon before. He has no way to really know for sure that that's where he is, but it's kind of a reasonable deduction. This is the only place it could be, or like you said, he'd be dead. Yeah, puts those pieces together. Then he puts some other pieces together meaning uh, bread and beef and other pieces of food that are on that tray. He goes and settles down to start eating in earnest while he continues to think. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Okay, so if I'm in Tarvalon, that means there's Aes Sedai here. Well, shit. Yeah, Matt doesn't really like hanging out with Aes Sedai, so... Not a lot of people do. That means as soon as he can figure out how, he's going to get out of here. That's what he's thinking. It's not that he really remembers having any issues with Aes Sedai. I mean, no. he remembers Varen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he remembers Moraine. He's he's hung out with these two Aes Sedai in some way. He doesn't remember everything. But, but again, he doesn't really remember that he's had any huge, terrible issues. He just doesn't really hanker to want to hang out with Aes Sedai because, mm-hmm. as he's known from what he learned as a child... Aes Sedai do what they want for their own reasons, and that may not be good for you. What it comes down to is, Matt doesn't feel he can trust any Aes Sedai. Mm -hmm. Which really, not even thinking Aes Sedai is not a bad way to view the world. It's depressing, but it might keep you safe. Thinking about the Aes Sedai gets us a reminder of what we know of Aes Sedai, that there are seven Aja. Blue, red, brown, green, yellow, white, and gray. And reds are the worst. This is Matt. He's thinking. Where's purple? Well, except for the black Aja that the Aes Sedai claim don't exist. Not a thing. We're going to pretend nope. Reds aren't really a problem for Matt, though. Indeed. Just for men who can channel. Which brings another thought into his head that he's like, how did I forget? Rand. My friend Rand can channel. Ah, so as he keeps thinking, more mm-hmm. things are popping back into his head. The memories are there. They're just murky. At least some of them are there. 
enough. We'll see how much comes back to him. He's shocked that he forgot Rand can channel, as that's like the worst thing that could happen to a person, to, mm-hmm. to a guy, to learn that you're a channeler, that you're going to go mad. It's a death sentence. Yeah, yeah. So, ugh. Then, thinking of Rand, leads Matt to think of the rest of his Emmons Field friends. Uh, we got Egwene and Nynaeve. Okay, they wanted to be Aes Sedai, so they're probably around here somewhere still. That's both good and bad. Yeah, he remembers Rand is... Oh, wait, he's with Moraine. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and Criminy, he's calling himself the Dragon Reborn now. Ew. Ah! And then he thinks of Perrin... He has no idea what Perrin must be up to, but Perrin's been acting kind of funny since his eyes went that weird color. You know, these things are coming back to him. Guess, Matt, because no one else has been acting funny since they, I don't know, picked up a weird dagger. (laughs) But, you know, it's kind of like this is the first time he's been able to have some clear thoughts about some of these things. Even though they're not entirely clear because they're only pieces. On the one hand, yes. On the other hand, no, it's just the first time that we know that he's had clear thoughts on this because we haven't got to see them. What I find funny is Matt is thinking to himself that the other four, they're all messed up, have issues, are really kind of nuts. He's the only one of them that's still completely sane. That's what he's thinking to himself. Well, it's very rare that you view yourself as insane. (laughs) It's the world that has a problem, not you. Well, it's time he started thinking what to do with himself. Indeed. So he thinks, you know, maybe I can do some gambling, okay. win some funds, and do some traveling. See the world in that? Yeah, that, that'll work. Now, I Sedai, they're probably not likely to gamble with me, but Tarvalon is one of the great cities of the world. Surely he can find some merchants who would be willing to toss the dice a little bit, play some cards maybe, and... Assuming his luck holds, he can win some money, a few days, should have enough, off he'll go. And go visit some of the other great cities of the world. Mm-hmm. He has vague memories of Camelin and Kyrian, so he knows he was there over the past months. Doesn't remember a lot about him, but he knows he was there. But what about some of the others, from Ilian to Tyr to anything and everything on the West Coast? Ebudar. Tanchico. I hear they have great beaches there. Mm. Go do some tanning. Hang out. See the sights. Exactly. Yeah. So he's kind of getting excited. This is a time to go travel, to see the world, and especially to get away from Tarvalon, where all these Aes Sedai are. Definitely get away from the Aes Sedai. That's kind of foremost in the thoughts. Then he thinks about the ruby from that Shader Logoth dagger. I mean, just thinking about the dagger actually causes him some physical pain. Ow. So he doesn't want to dwell on that. But the ruby, just the ruby, pop that thing out. I bet that would be worth a ton of money. I wonder if the eyes that I would let me have the ruby. How big do you think that is? Um, do you think it's like like a little tiny earring-sized gem that's part of it? Or it's like a thumb-sized or like a full-on fist? <laughs> no. That'd be kind of bulky on the hilt of a dagger. I always pictured kind of thumb size. It's the Hope Diamond in rubies. (laughs) Hey, wait, wait, wait. We've seen the Hope Diamond. It's not that big. No, but it's bigger than your thumb. Uh, A little bit. (laughs) Not much. (laughs) 
<laughs> Anyways, he figures, yeah, the Aes Sedai are not likely to let him have the ruby. I mean, it'd be great if they did. He could, he'd be rich enough with that to buy the biggest farm in Emmons Field and be set for life. But they'll probably say it's uh, <laughs> tainted <laughs> and wouldn't let him have it. But then again, he thinks, wait a second, go back to the two rivers and buy a farm? I don't think I really want to do that. Sounds boring. The whole world is waiting, and Matt Cawthon is ready to discover. Exactly. Leave his mark on the world. All right. So he'll need to be going. But first, he has to find Nynaeve and Egwene. Why? Why would he need to find them first? Well, he figures, uh, they're so set on being Aes Sedai, but that's just... That's just wrong. I said I are bad. It, it's no good to mess with all that. <laughs> you could probably talk them out of it. You could probably just like talk some sense into them, right? Maybe. At least try. You know, they're his friends. They're his people from Emmons Field. He should give it a shot. Matt's definitely ready to like cut loose and run, but also he's not ready to abandon his friends. Right. So he figures, okay, at least I'll touch base with them. But even if they don't want to leave, I'm out of here. After all these thoughts, Matt realizes he's completely demolished the tray of food and drink for four. boy. Like, there's just a few crumbs left, which he starts, you know, picking up. He has cleared it off. He doesn't look any different. <laughs> but, uh, wow, I must have been hungry. And as he's scooping up those last crumbs, mm -hmm. he has another thought pop back into his head. Oh no, what now? I blew the horn of Valir. Well, shit. And again, it's like, how did I forget that? That's big. His next thought is, do the Aes Sedai know? Yes. He remembers Varen was bringing the horn of Valir to the tower, but he doesn't think she actually knew he blew it. He doesn't think so. He hopes not. Because he figures if the White Tower knows he blew it, that might be a tie for which they'd want to keep him. They might never let me go. That's right. He's like, okay, so if they ask, I never even touched it. If they know, well, I'll have to handle that when it comes. I did not have blowing relations with that horn. Oh, <laughs> well done. Oh, <laughs> I felt it was forced. Uh, how many of our listeners will catch that reference? <laughs> Probably too many. <laughs> Sadly, it's true. <laughs> and then the chapter ends. With a soft knock at the door, Matt rises and thinks to hide or run, but there's nowhere to go. There's no other way out of the room. There's a closet or under a bed, but he's not a monster. He's not going to do that. He also has barely enough energy to stand. So really all he does, he does stand up, but kind of sways in place as the door just opens. Chapter 20 is called Visitations. And just like that, we're halfway. And it starts with the first visit, a woman walking in. I'm just shocked. <laughs> what, that we already got a chapter done? Yeah, we're already, A, we're already done with a chapter. B, we're halfway through an episode. This is <laughs> unprecedented for us. Um, it's already been half an hour. Yeah, but it's only been half an hour. It's usually like 45, 50 minutes. No, the problem is we've been doing like three to four chapters in an episode. 
Yeah. Thus, you know, half an hour becomes, you know, an hour and a half or two hours practically to get through everything. Yeah, just two episodes, two chapters, reasonable size. The first chapter, and listeners, you can go back and check this. Check me on this. The first chapter is always the longest chapter because we feel comfortable, like we're going to have time, and then we don't. Jordo <laughs> <laughs> uh, points out very wisely and rightly that the first one is longer also because of all of our preamble stuff. We talk, we ramble, we cover notes, we do things before we actually start the content. You are correct, That's fair. but I don't want you to be because it disproves my point. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this woman walk is walking into his room dressed all in white silk and silver accoutrement. She shuts the door. She studies Matt. She has hair as black as night, held back by a fine silver band, and Matt is thinking, this must be the most beautiful woman in the world. Oh, no. Zach? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Most beautiful woman in the world? Who we got? Matt doesn't know, but we do. All the readers know. Who is this? It's Lanfear again. Dun, dun, dun. And some people are going, it's Lanfear again. They're very excited. And I'm just sitting here going, why? <laughs> get out. We love you, but get out. Looking at him, she comments that, uh, you know, you might want to put something on. Which is when he realizes he's standing there stark naked. He turns red. He shambles over to the bed because he has no energy to move fast. He pulls the blanket around himself and sits on the edge of the mattress, apologizing for being found in such a condition. I'm just saying, Matt missed the opportunity to make a power move and power pose. You just you see a chair there, <laughs> you put your foot up on it, you Captain Morgan into that, and just be like, yes, I am naked. Deal with it. Looking like he does... I don't think that would have been a smart play. I didn't say it would be flattering. If he had a six-pack and he was a specimen at that point, maybe. Right now, she'd start laughing. I'm sorry, are you saying he doesn't have a six-pack? He has abs of starvation. I know. I used to joke that I had them just because I had a really high metabolism. (sighs) You didn't have a (laughs) six-pack. No, but you could see the abs simply because I... Didn't have any fat over them. You sure those weren't ribs? No, they were my internal organs. It's fine. (laughs) Anyways, we get, for the first time from Matt, something we've gotten from Rand's POV and from Perrin's POV. And he just joins the club where he thinks, I wish Rand or even Matt were here to tell me what to do. They always know what to do around women. Of course. (laughs) And he thinks, all I ever do is make a fool of myself. Now, the woman notes she wouldn't have visited him like this, except Mm -hmm. that she was already in the White Tower for another purpose. And she says, I wanted to see all of you. Well, that's sus. Why'd you want to see him naked? It's a great pun. But he looks at her like, was that a pun? And he, from her expression, he can tell she didn't mean it that way. But we can read it that way. But what does she mean? We note that Matt notices she kind of hesitated when she said she was in the White Tower Mm -hmm. and smiled as if amused about saying that term. And we don't get anything more about what that might be about or what visiting all of them might be about. I want to ask you, Zach, Uh what can we deduce 
from what she's saying here. So what we can clearly deduce is that she's truly, when she saw Perrin in Dream, she saw Perrin in Dream. She's seen Rand. She's seeing the last of the three Taveran boys. See all of them. That's that point there. But the fact that she hesitates on saying the White Tower makes me nervous that the hunt for the Black Tower is more so than the girls think it might be. Just because perhaps the White Tower isn't so white. Perhaps. Perhaps. Then she glances at the table. You know, where all that food was that he clearly ate. She comments on on his hunger. She says, yeah, that's to be expected. And you should eat all that you can. You'll fully recover quick enough. Actually, more quickly than you might expect if you keep eating, eating, eating. That is so disturbing. It feels like fattening up a pig. Well, he does need a little fattening right now. Yeah, but not for the slaughter. Matt senses here the way that she's talking to him. Like, she knows him. I mean, she's very casual talking to him, calling him Matt. Mm-hmm. But in his memory, again, things are loosey-goosey. She seems slightly familiar to him, but he can't think for the world who she is. And he feels really awkward about that. I mean, as gorgeous as she is, how could he forget someone like this? So he asks, even admits, uh, you know, I'm sorry if we've met before. Um, I can't remember. Have we met? And she answers rather mysteriously about that. You may have seen me somewhere. And you may call me Celine. Ah, we get the Celine it's name It's the Celine drop. thing again. It's a whole mess. I have a weird suspicion in this. Because as far as we know as readers, Matt hasn't really met her. That's not something that we've seen. He's been around when, like, Uno swore that he saw her somewhere. But, like, that was it. Mm-hmm. But Matt did go through a flicker, flicker, flicker and lived a whole bunch of lives. Maybe some of those included seeing something with this Celine. Maybe. I like to think that might, might be one place that he would theoretically know this person from but can't quite grab in his memories Mm -hmm. okay well her response does tug at matt's memory in some way and he asks are you and i sedai a soft but quite emphatic no comes out that kind of surprises him so he looks her over more carefully he's struck by her overall appearance an air of self-confidence a sense of power Honestly, kind of how he feels that most Aes Sedai portray themselves as. But she's saying she's not an Aes Sedai. So he follows up, maybe would you be a novice? Because he's heard they all dress in white, and here she is, all dressed in white. Mm -hmm. And she denies that as well. If you ever wanted to offend someone, offend them worse by saying they're a lesser version of the offensive (laughs) thing. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he isn't so good with women. (laughs) She simply says... My interests happen to coincide with yours. That's all. She claims the Aes Sedai, they mean to use him. And so does she, actually. But she says, you may actually like how they will use you. Okay. And then comes the clincher. She basically says, think of the glory. Oh, yeah, it's Lanfear. Got it. (laughs) Glory. We're back to it. It's not the exact words she says. Uh, The quote is, there is no need to convince you to seek out glory. But again, it's the same thing. Think of the glory. And yet, it's not the same thing. Because quite literally, she's saying, 
I don't need to tell you, think of the glory, because apparently you'll just do it anyway. Now, Matt has a knee-jerk reaction to one of the things that she said, and that being that he's going to be used by Aes Sedai. He's like, that's not what's going to happen to me. That's Rand. They want, the Aes Sedai want to use Rand. I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just a farmer. Just a simple countryman. Whether in his memory or in his just like instinctive remembrance of a dream, he remembers that whole statement of all these false dragons and the tower will use you and all that and goes, no, no, that's Rand. Mm -hmm. He's like, I am just a simple country guy that wants to go out and see the world. I have no pursuit of glory. I have none of that kind of stuff planned. There's nothing the eyes that I would want to use me for. And Celine just shakes her head at him. She implies she knows more about this than he does and tells Matt, Mm. you are more important than you know. More so than the eyes that I even realize. And you can have glory if you know not to trust the Aes Sedai. And she says, not to trust these so-called Aes Sedai. Now, I want to ask you about that, Zach. Okay. It's kind of, Matt notices her use that phrase, so-called. That puzzles him. What does she mean? What do you think? So, the best thought that I can go to especially from a what we know at this point, would be Celine, this woman, is Lanfear. She's from an older time, a time of forgotten knowledge. And so these Aes Sedai are pretenders to the power in her mind. They do merely a pittance of what once was possible, and they play at Aes Sedai, not truly being Aes Sedai. That totally works. She has a lot of disdain for what she's seen in the people who call themselves Aes Sedai, that term means something much more to her than mm-hmm. what these pretenders are doing. Yeah, I like that. Gordo says in the Discord, half-trained children. And I really like that because in their whole system, they call people who are of less training, child. <laughs> That's true. But that is a quote from the book I believe she uses, these half-trained children. Mm-hmm. Not right here, but elsewhere. Hearing her dissing the Aes Sedai, he then tries to, I mean, really stick his foot in his mouth. He, he asks if she's a dark friend. Although right at the last minute, he stops from jumping off the cliff. Where he says, uh, you aren't a... And stops. But she intuits what he was going to say. And she's like, a dark friend? Ha <laughs> no. You mean one of those pathetic followers of Baalzaman? Just following him, thinking of promises of eternal life and glory and power? No, I am not one of those. Wait, but hold on, Miss Celine. We are still unsure whether Baalzaman and the Dark One are the same person or not. We're kind of confused. Could you clarify on that? No? Uh, she only says what she wants to say. Darn. <laughs> but she does throw in one extra comment. She says, there is one man I could stand beside. I follow no one. But I could stand Mm -hmm. beside one person. She is a strong, confident woman who don't need no man, but she would be willing to tolerate one. And which one is she talking about? Based on what we've seen so far in this series, we can deduce Hmm. who she's referring to. As best we know, technically speaking, I guess Rand, maybe. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. That's a technically speaking, but... Because she sees him as someone else. Indeed. The dragon. Yep. 
once upon a time a lose there in Telamon. Now, theoretically, this Randolph or the Dragon Reborn. Or so the title of the book says. Yeah, her interactions with her in the Great Hunt were very much about encouraging him to embrace who he is. Let go of this bit, mm-hmm. this Rand persona and be Luce Theron. Be who you truly are. And that's who she's obsessed over. You don't think the whole like being in his shirt and just his shirt was not a not a move? It wasn't like, hey, you could be with me. I'm sexy. Oh, it was a move. It was a move. It was a move. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Celine's comments, they are actually loaded with meaning. And they're leaving Matt more and more confused. Now, this poor guy, he's just woken up. He's got all these gaps in his memory. He's not sure what's real, what's a dream. And then she's going to walk in and spin circles around him. Great. She drops some information that he's left to ponder. And uh, to break it down rather than go through the whole conversation, I just want to hit these highlights. I appreciate that. She wants him to trust her. That's she's emphasizing. Mm -hmm. She admits, I will use you. But through me, you'll gain wealth, power, and glory. That's not so bad. Nowhere in there does she give him agency. It's just a, I will use you. Not if you Mm -hmm. choose. But I won't trick you. I'm telling you. I will use you, but it will be good. You also don't get a choice in the matter. It's going to happen. She says, he will try to dissuade or kill you. Now, she doesn't say who he is. It's like a capital H. He... Big question mark. Who is he? She does say the Aes Sedai cannot be trusted. Well, and as proof, your father came to Tarvalon looking for you, <gasps> along with Tamalthor. They made a nuisance until Swan Sanche gave them an audience. But she wouldn't tell them anything. Not even if you mm-hmm. were alive. And the Aes Sedai, they're not going to tell you any of this. I can fix that, though. I can get word to your father that you live. I can make this right. She also claims, now she is talking about Rand. Mm -hmm. Rand is trying to escape. And Moraine, she's hunting him. Well, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. She claims the Black Aja infest the White Tower. Now that goes to what you had referenced earlier. (laughs) White Tower. White. Maybe not so white. And again, she says the Aes Sedai will keep all of this a secret from you, just as they won't tell you how they intend to use you. A lot of that's probably true, actually. Could be. His mind is spinning, but hearing all of this from her, he turns it back to her and says, okay, if you're not an Aes Sedai, what are you? I mean, how do you know all this? She ducks the question. She simply says, just remember, there is another choice. A choice Besides the White Tower or Baalzaman and his dark friends. Is it retire on a farm? You can choose me. Oh, choose you. Darn. So this is like a like a Galadriel. Instead, you would have a Dark Queen vibe. Gotcha. Matt sullenly mutters, well, it doesn't look like I really have much choice at all. But fine. I suppose I can try to remember you're another option. Okay, that doesn't go so well over for her. She's like, I've been here talking to you, being sweet to you, smiling at you, and you're going to suppose you'll try to remember? I bothered to talk to you, and you're not just putting your full support behind me immediately? How dare you? 
Her demeanor switches over to be one that seems rather threatening all of a sudden. There's a, The threat seems to be right in her eyes. She reaches out a hand towards him. His skin begins to tingle. His head starts to ache. Well, shit. Uh-oh. And then all that vanishes as Celine suddenly turns her head like she hears something. She frowns a bit, then releases the frown, turns back to Matt, says, We will talk more. And then she leaves him. But she does make one final comment mm-hmm. as she's leaving the room. Remember, there are many hands that would kill you. I alone guarantee your life and all you seek if you do as I say. And she's gone. So did Matt just luck his way out of a brain aneurysm or something? That, that, something scary. And he's thinking that. He lets out this long breath, trying to figure out what happened. He's pretty sure she was about to use the one power on him. Like she had just started to Mm -hmm. when she got interrupted. I don't know what she was going to do, but it didn't feel right. It didn't feel good. So who the heck is she? (laughs) Is she a dark friend? That doesn't make sense because of how she spoke about Balsamon and his dark friends. I mean, a lot of disdain there. Again, I just want to throw out there, this is a failing of the light that people assume dark friends are friends of each other. No, they're friends of the dark. They're willing to throw each other under the bus. Now, he also thinks about the fact she didn't say anything about hiding her visit. He's free to tell the Aes Sedai, tell anybody. She didn't say this is a secret. But then he's picturing himself telling the Aes Sedai, okay, so this woman came into my room. Oh, yeah, I was naked. Mm -hmm. Um, She was hot. Um, She told me these things, mostly that you're lying to me and want to use me. Um, He's picturing how badly this will go. Yeah, the first part's embarrassing for him. The second half is like, That could get me killed. Okay, let's not say that. Okay, we'll say none of those things. Got it. Now, it doesn't really go into his head it could get him killed. It does cross his mind it could get him trapped. If they sense there's something going on here, there's more people Mm -hmm. after him, wanting him, something, it'd be even harder for him to get out of Tarvalon. He's doing that thing that I do as an introvert at parties where I keep my head down, my eyes averted, and try not to seem important enough to talk to. That's it. He wants to keep his head down, hope he doesn't get noticed, and get out of Tarvalon. Mm-hmm. So maybe he'll just keep this to himself. So back to his plan. If I'm going to get out of Tarvalon, I need some money. So he goes over to his wardrobe, see if his things are in there. Sure enough, they are. He finds his clothes, his staff, his boots. His boots? Good. You never go wrong with a good pair of boots. <laughs> he digs around, finds his coin purse. This is as bad as he kind of remembered. So perhaps this is something he did remember. He has very few coins. He's broke. He's practically broke. He's probably got more money than he ever did in the two rivers, but he's broke. He knows at least that much of having been out in the world that what he has is not enough money to do much of anything or go much of anywhere. No, not even close. So then he's digging around in the wardrobe. There's there's one more thing that he needs. He's got to find it. And... He does eventually, way in the back, buried under some things, he finds his dice cups. He's got two cups, two different sets of dice. Zach, this should have appealed to you. You like your sets of dice. We need to chat for a moment about dice, especially in this world. Are two sets of dice like two D6s each? Uh, Is this just like a set of five dice and it's a bigger dice game? Is this... 
a full set of seven different shaped dice, like D&D dice with me. I know dice is going to depend on what you're playing, but what is it in this world? I believe it's like four or five usually, right? I'm pretty sure there were five, but that's just my memory. Is that your memory from the chapter heading? One of them is the markings of the game of crowns. So it's a specific dice game. The other ones are with the various pips of dice like we're used to. So ready to play Yahtzee. You know, he's got five. But I don't know for sure. Uh, Discord, Jordo is saying the game of crowns had six dice, but he has a question mark. So he's also trying to recollect, it sounds like. It's not super important. It's, it's kind of well, the trivial. To me, it seems like these are either really, really small dice or they're fewer than I think of typically because I know how much space dice take. I have plenty of bags of dice. It's not like a small amount of space. Well, it's not super big either. If he just has two sets, not 30 like you do. No, but if he, have, if he has two sets of, let's call it five dice each, that's 10 dice. A D6 is one of your biggest like space takers. That's going to... F- completely like fill a pocket wow you're picturing dice bigger than i do i easily can shove a little bag of dice into each pocket without uh, with plenty more room i'm not saying one discords with me i'm saying both (laughs) sets in one pocket would fill the pocket but he has two separate dice cups little cups little leather cups so they're separate that's the other thing they're cups we're talking like little leather like pouch cup things not like hard wood or tin or something these are like little pouches i feel like we're going down a dice rabbit rabbit i care about this i know (laughs) no one else out there will and those few that do are the people who care but don't necessarily listen to us and interact and tell me so like (laughs) that's right jordo he's dying on this horse (laughs) i'm not willing to fight about an opinion on this i just want to know i want someone to have more information than me who's smarter than me and tell me what does this mean not tell me don't care about this i have an answer for you you're gonna tell me don't care about this or something and that that feels wrong no i have information i'm scared in the wheel of time teaser trailer Mm -hmm. in further study and have after watching somebody else's breakdown video Mm mm-hmm no, listening to a podcast and hearing about something and then going back and watching the video again, we get to see Matt's dice. In the opening scene there where the three of them are at the Wine Spring Inn and Matt is still standing. Are they on the table or something? He has just tossed the dice on the table between Perrin and Rand. What's it land And as? it's blocked at first, but as the camera continues to watch, you can just for a moment see the dice as he's reaching out to pick them up and there are five you you go back and watch the video you'll see matt's dice the regular ones not the crowns fair enough there you go and just like will happen with many of the things they're going to put into the wheel of time tv series it will make new canon of what we maybe (laughs) didn't have information on before i'll take because now it's on tv that must be it yeah where were we (sighs) dice oh man okay (laughs) He's trying to figure out who she was. We talked about that, and he got past that. He's like, now I got to get out of here, back to my plan. I need money. He was digging through his stuff. He found the coins. That's not enough. He finds his dice. Now, the reason he needed the dice 
was that he could go out into the city, mm-hmm. play some dice games, mm-hmm. make some money. You're betting over dice. He feels he's always been pretty good at that. He's confident within just a few days he'll have made enough money gambling that he can be out of Tarvalon, away from the Aes Sedai, and now away from Selene. One more person I need to escape from. We like betting dice games. You like that one. You call it doo-doo. You're wrong. But it's it's very fun. It's kind of like Pirate's Dice. Doo-doo? The, call it doo-doo? The game's called Perudo, but you are <laughs> supposed to say doo when you think someone's lying, and you say doo-doo. <laughs> I was like, are you describing craps? No, for <laughs> years you've said doo-doo. <laughs> Because you think it's funny, and you'll have like a glass of wine and go doo doo, and then bust out laughing. <laughs> so, um, the immature potty jokes you're saying go back long They're before not this new. podcast. They're nowhere near new. <laughs> I feel like you thought it was a way to bond with me as a child, and then like never stopped. <laughs> Well, apparently it still creates a bond between us now. Uh, just of a different kind. Nah. All right. Guess what? The chapter's what? called Visitations. Yes. Who's he getting visited the by The door now? has a knock and more people visit. Ew. And just one peremptory knock and the door opens. And in walks the Amerlin Seat and the Keeper of the Chronicles. Ah! Yeah, those are people who don't wait for an answer before they uh, open after knocking. He's seen them once, back in Faldara. Yes. He's never actually met them, but he remembers them because it's like when you see a celebrity, you know, if you've seen them from a distance and you see them again, you're probably going to remember them because they're famous people. These are two of, in his memory or his understanding, two of the most powerful women in the world. So he remembers. You seem to have a thought, Zach. He met the Amarlin. Did he meet the Keeper? He wasn't there to see the presentation when they first got there. He never met with them later. He went through some healing with the both of them there. I personally don't remember whether he was conscious or not for that. He must have to some degree, because that's the only time well, we would know that the, he saw them. also saw them off when they were leaving. No, no, I know where it was. She met with all three of the boys. Remember? We only saw the interaction of her meeting with Rand. But it was stated in dialogue that she met with all three so as not to make that stand out. Gotcha. So it's one of those things where we didn't get a map POV, so we we kind of forget about it. But it happened, theoretically. Yeah. It happened off screen in the book. But it did happen. Might happen on screen in the show, maybe. And of course, when Swan meets with someone, the Amerlin, her keeper is with her. That's the normal protocol. Except for like one or two times where she gets kicked out of the room and goes, what? We've learned that is the exception. So that would be where Matt did did meet her, meet both of them once before. Okay. He also thinks to himself he would recognize him anyways because you got this Amerlin who's in this broad striped stole and the keeper with a narrow blue one. They're noticeable costumes. They point them out. And great, he's just been caught standing in only a blanket, holding his dice cups and a coin purse. Matt, you really gotta put some clothes on. (laughs) The Amerlin quips, you know, I don't think you'll be needing those for a while. The blanket? No, get back in bed. Oh, the dice. Gotcha. (laughs) Or the coins. Matt, he's like, 
he's been ordered to get back in bed and he would rather buckle down and not comply. But at that point, buckle is an appropriate term because that's what his knees do. He's so weak still, he gets all shaky and, okay, I better wobble back to bed before I fall down. And so he does. He goes to bed, he lays down. She comes over, the Amerlin, comes over to him, asks how he's feeling, puts a hand to his head, and he feels a quick chill through his body. And he's thinking, did she just do some one-power hoodoo to me? Hoodoo voodoo. Which, of course, she did. We know this is how it works. She's checking him. He insists, I'm fine. In fact, I think I'm, I'm ready to be on my way. I just need a moment to say goodbye to Egwene and Nynaeve, and, and I'll get out of your hair. And the Amerlin's like, um... Child, please. No, you are not going anywhere. You need rest. You need food. But she doesn't actually say that to him. She just kind of... And then she talks about him to her keeper. This is frustrating as hell. Don't talk about people like they're not there in front of them. It's rude and offensive and treats them like objects or animals. That's how Matt's feeling. (sighs) Anyway... Now, something I noticed and I appreciated in this chapter is what Robert Jordan did as author. He never calls the Amerlin Swan. He never calls the Keeper Liana. Mm -hmm. Because Matt doesn't know them by their first names. And this is a Matt POV chapter. It's not something personal. It's the position. So it's constantly the Amerlin and the Keeper. That's constantly the reference in the writing. Matt, again, though, he insists, I'm fine. As soon as I can get dressed, I'll show you. I'll I'll just be right out of here. No problem. Now the Amerlin does note to him, you've eaten a meal for five, and you will need to eat just like that, three or four times a day for days, or you'll starve to death. We are not about to... I'll have what he's having. What? That sounds amazing. I'll have what he's having. No, (laughs) She says, we, you know, we did all that work to heal you. We're not going to see it go to waste, okay? You are going to do what you need to do to get your strength back. Again, he denies he's even hungry, which is baloney. He is Mm -hmm. still starving. I picture one of those great moments, I'm not even hungry, and then the stomach comically gurgles and growls loudly. Yeah. Yeah. Now here, the Amerlin, she says to him, okay, I had you pegged the moment I met you. I figured, as soon as you sensed we were trying to keep you, you'd want a bolt. So I've taken some precautions. And she enlightens him. All the bridge guards have your name and your description. All of the dockmasters as well. You're free to leave the tower and wander the island, but you will not be permitted off the island until you are well. Mm-hmm. Now Matt demands to know why. Why do you want me so badly? Why do you want to keep me? And Celine's words are in his head. You know, the eye said, I want to use him. The Amerlin, she explains again, we do not heal people only to see the effort wasted by dying when you still need care. And then she says a very I said die type of thing. She says, in addition to which, you may yet need more healing. Where is she coming from with this statement, Zach? So personally, like, I know it's not, but that feels like a threat. (laughs) No, that's not where that's going. It's not where it's going. (laughs) But that's what it feels like. It feels like, and uh, who knows, you might need to be healed more. (laughs) Don't make us need to heal you more, Matt. 
No, no. She does go on to elaborate a little bit. You know, we, we've done what we can to heal you from the dagger, but you had that thing so long. And if there's even a, a tiny little bit of its influence still in you, it could fester again. It could come back and take over. It's unprecedented having healed you after all those months with it. You need to stick around so we can monitor that. We can be sure there's nothing else there. It may take months. It might take a year for us to be completely confident that you're okay. Then again, maybe little Whoa. trace amounts of it could be, uh, you know, a good thing in a way, somehow. But the thing is, they have no reason to believe that any of that is true. They healed him. To the best of their knowledge, he's healed. The dagger's influence is gone. He's perfectly fine. It is true that they might be wrong, but there's nothing to indicate they are wrong. Yeah. So he catches this. He picks up on how she says, you may need more healing. There might be remnants of the dagger's touch in you. And he's like, uh-huh, might, may. Yeah, you're working this. And he hears in these statements, you just want to keep me around. And in fact, you just mm -hmm. said even as much as a year? Heck no! But Matt's no dummy. Well, kind of. And so he, he decides he'll play their game, kind of. Yes. He'll do the same thing. Yes. Tell us more. Oh, I thought you were going to pick up after that. Now, Matt's going to try and twist some words of his own. And if this part seems to be checking out with what Celine says, there were some other things she said. Maybe he can subtly investigate that and see if their statements align. Right. He drops a line. You know, it's been a long time since I've been home. My parents probably think I'm dead. Little pause. The Amerlin says, well, you can write some letters and I will see that they are delivered. Another pause. He's waiting for her to, you know, acknowledge that, well, yeah, your dad came and, and tried to find you. And she doesn't. Not but he didn't ask her that. No, he didn't say it directly. But any reasonable assumption would be if he was there, she would say something. And um, you would think so. Well, yeah. she didn't. So. But, so he prods the, you know, he prods just a little further. He says, well, thank you that you deliver letters. Honestly, I'm half surprised my da hadn't come looking for me. Okay, now that's a pretty blatant prod. Again, they don't know Celine visited and said anything. It's a blatant prod if we know the information. Matt theoretically woke up and these are the first people to kind of see him. And so it's not. It's something that, oh, maybe he. it's just on his mind. Matt thinks the Amerlin may have hesitated a smidge. But she does acknowledge, yep, your dad did come. And Liana spoke to him. And Liana, the keeper, she jumps right in. She says, yeah, we didn't know where you were when they were here, and, and we told him so. And he left before the heavy snows, and I gave him some gold to make his journey back easier. Okay, all true. This, to me, it smacks plainly of, oh, shit. Uh, I'm not sure where to go with this. I, I need to not lie, but I'm not sure what to say. And Liana will give you the rest of the details. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Throw her under the bus to come up with it. Right. Uh, Swan may have talked to him, may have told him things, may have denied things, but she doesn't have to say any of that because she's not saying she didn't speak to him. Mm -hmm. She just says Liana spoke to him, and Liana picks it up. So I Sedai. 
We're learning quite a bit in this chapter about just how they operate. Matt got them to admit his father had been there. Indeed. Okay. But they mentioned nothing about Tam Althor. So he asks about Rand. And he says, do you know anything about him? And uh, anything about if his da is worried as well? And he gets an ambiguous answer and nothing about Rand's father. And again, they don't deny that Tam was there. No. They just divert the conversation. They just also don't confirm it. It's disgusting. Yeah. And I personally don't like dwelling on it because it's like, theoretically, these are good people in the world. But they're just like not good people people all the time yeah so then swan shifts the conversation again she tells liana you know matt could use some more food why don't you go and and get him a little more to eat just now so liana departs and swan Mm -hmm. turns to matt and it's like she drops the act a little bit she rounds on him she says you know it might be best if you stop flapping your lips so much especially about certain things you know like rand now, she didn't say Rand, but mm-hmm. the implication is very clear. And she says, you know, certain conversations could be very dangerous for you, even in front of, even in front of Liana. I don't know. This feels what very... What is she referring to? What do we know she's referring to? That she believes Rand to be the dragon. And that Matt knows he can chant. Uh, I think it's something else, though. You think it's something yes. else? She's a... No, she's acknowledging that she knows what you know, and you know that I know that you know. Yeah, she's acknowledging that. But what she's really referencing is you can't talk about these things because there's Black Aja around. At least that's what she's thinking in her head. If a Black Aja heard these things... I definitely don't think she's hinting that to Matt. Not to Matt, but this is definitely what's, what, what is driving her response here. When she says, even in front of Liana, because again, she doesn't know who she can trust. Matt can't be talking about these things in front of others because... I don't agree with you. Well, it's going to go on in this conversation, and I think it makes my point. At this moment, I don't currently agree with you because she hasn't let Liana in on the whole Rand stuff. That part's not there. Right. And that's not because of a lack of trust. So she doesn't want him talking about Rand in front of her. That's not necessarily because of a lack of trust of Black Aja thing initially. And Rand and what is going on there, she thinks, is something that if Moraine and she were found out, they could get stilled. That's enough of a thing to keep quiet about as is, let alone the Black Aja thing. I am confident, though. It also goes to simply she doesn't know who she can trust. She thinks she can trust Liana. She doesn't know. She thinks. And it's too important to gamble on just what she thinks it might be. Paranoia, while valid, is rampant. So, again, Liana's been sent out of the room. Now it's just the two of them, and they have a little more frank conversation. Swan presses him about the Horn of Alir. Do you remember? Do you remember blowing it? Yeah. So, oh, okay, crap. Yeah, they know it. I mean, he first tries to... Uh, the horn? Watch. She's like, don't be a fool. Don't be an idiot. Don't play games. All right, yeah, 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 fine. I blew the horn. She reveals his link to the horn. It's been discussed earlier, but now Matt gets mm-hmm. to hear it. That the horn is now worthless to anyone else as long as he lives. And it's like sledgehammer to his head. He realizes, you could have let me die die and had control of the horn bat so thanks for not doing that but you chose to let me live 
So you intend to use me now as the hornblower, don't you? So that you can be sure I'm there at the last battle to blow the horn for the light to call the heroes to fight the Dark One. That's your plan now, isn't it? That's what you want. She's like, yes. Well, Matt, it's either that or use no one because you either are dead and it can be someone else or it can't be anyone else. So, yeah. You said, like, would you prefer the alternative? No, no. <laughs> we just let you die? I'm good. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Living is nice. Matt does say, okay, okay, fine. I didn't say I wouldn't go and blow the horn for you at the last battle. I didn't say that. <laughs> now, she says you can't speak of this link to the horn to anybody. Shia Ghoul knows the horn has been found, but does not know where it is and does not know you sounded it. If that secret gets out, they will come for you. Your name will be Mud. <laughs> they will take you so they can use you. And if they can't get you, they will just kill you. And then she says something that is interesting. She claims the horn will work as well for the shadow as for the light. But to do that, they'd need to take him. Huh. So the horn could work for the shadow. Swan says that, which means she believes that. That's problematic. Interesting. Mm. We already had at the Great Hunt the knowledge given to us that the heroes would not work for the shadow. Yeah, Archer Hawkwing told us that that's not true. Archer Hawkwing out of his own mouth said it. But Swan thinks it is. So, I mean, does she know something that we don't? Does I don't she think so. not know something? Maybe she's just, you know, missing some knowledge. Swan, as an Aes Sedai, she can't lie. She truly believes the horn could be used by the shadow if they get control of him and through him, the horn. Mm-hmm. And this drives home a point we need to remember as readers about Aes Sedai. They can't lie. But they can lie if they think the lie is truth. The oaths only prevent them from intentionally lying. It's not so much like, if I don't know, I can say something that might be true or false, but rather, I can be wrong. I can tell the truth as I believe it and be wrong. That's okay. Yes. Again, spoiler light will mention what you can look for at points in the future, for example, are where... Aes Sedai can say or do something because of what they believe and then they get new knowledge that changes what they believe and now they can't say that anymore. Something they could say before, they can't now. Or something they could do before, they no longer can do just because of what they now understand. The oaths are tied to their own perception. Yeah, that's important. That's going to become very significant. Mm -hmm. I said that thing, but I retroactively can't. Oops. <laughs> Swan implies there is a good reason for Matt to stay in the White Tower. Perhaps the most important reason, and that's that if the Dark Friends get you, you can be used as a tool of the Shadow. If they learn you're the one with the horn, they're coming, and we are the only ones that can protect you. But Matt, he reads into that the completely opposite way. Mm -hmm. Wait a second. Celine told me the tower is full of black Aja. Mm -hmm. This is the worst place for me to be if the shadow is going to want me, if they possibly could find out I'm the hornblower. I gotta go. I have to bounce. I mean, even worse, he stays. He's going to get used. Is he going to get used by Celine, the black Aja, all the other Ajas? 
one way or another, he's getting used. The Amerlin takes this point to leave. She, like, leaves him to rest. And as she leaves and he's stuck there just thinking again, that is exactly where his thoughts are. Mm-hmm. He feels like he's caught in a tug-of-war between the Amerlin and Celine. Two different priorities, two different entities wanting to use him for their purposes. And all he wants to do is be out of it. He wants nothing to do with it. He th- literally thinks, I would rather face Trollocs than be stuck between these two powerful women. I just have to figure out how to get out of Tarvalon. And that's where the chapter ends. Mm-hmm. And that's also where our episode will come to a close today. Matt's figuring out how to get out of Tarvalon, and we're figuring out how to get out of this episode. So, how can we do that, Dad? Well, we could do it by reminding everybody first that there is a spoiler room coming along here. So we got a little bit more content for those of you that are not first-time readers. There's still good stuff to come. But for those of you who are not going to listen any further, because we don't want to spoil for you, we're just going to throw in here now, thank you for being here. If you are enjoying your listens of our episodes, again, we ask that you let other people know. Share where they can find the podcast. I know some of you have done that. Even today on Twitter, I saw we got a recommend from one of our listeners who's here with us today. Fantastic. So always appreciate that. If there are places that you can rate us or even put a written review, that is super, super helpful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I know Apple Podcasts makes that very easy. So that's a way that you can tell people, come check this podcast out. You might enjoy it. You can also interact directly with us in a lot of ways. We still use that old antique thing called an email. So fantasy for the ages at (laughs) gmail.com. You can send us emails. You can also interact through social media, Facebook that we check at least once a week, Twitter that we check all the time. We're always there on Twitter, Instagram that we check periodically and always put our booze creations up i won't be putting my booze creation from today it was just prosecco with a splash of orange juice (laughs) we do want to point people to discord that's the best way to interact with us come join our discord server a invitation link is in our show notes and you can be part of our growing community of people who just love fantasy fiction love the wheel of time talk about all all sorts of things drop cat cartoon jokes bad memes, and all other ways to distract us from things that are truly important. (laughs) But they're wonderful, delightful distractions. I guess two other things we ought to tell them about, Zach. What if they want to uh, have merch? Would they like to have their own coffee cup or such? Is there a way they could do that? Indeed. If you're an avid listener and fan and you're enjoying this podcast, whether you're actively engaged on other platforms or not, You can go and find our merch. The link is going to be in the show notes as well as any of the places that you can find our episodes. And you can get your own coffee mug, a nice frosted mug, drink some of our cocktails along with us. Or if you want to support us but not get anything like that out of it, but maybe some other benefits such as listening live or contributing, getting content early, and even paying an even higher amount monthly, and getting a spot live on the show. Come and find us on Patreon. We exist there, and it's a fun time there as well. We appreciate all our Patreon supporters. Uh, The hosting for our show costs about 40 bucks a month. 
Our patrons are helping cover some of that now. Woo! Not all of it yet, so we would love to have some more Patreon supporters. <laughs> uh, but we'll keep doing this anyways. More so, it's just we love that people choose to support us and be a patron. It keeps us motivated and excited for what we do. Definitely. All right, that's all the notes we have. So if you're a first-time listener, first-time reader, yeah, first-time listeners are fine. First-time reader, <laughs> now is your time to go, and we'll talk to you next time. And now it's time for... The Spoiler Room. I've got a Chonkers yeah, D20 you've ready. you got your big old die. It's just really nice rolling the big one for this. It feels monumental. Right, and I've got mine. I like how my microphone picks up my die roll. It sounds really good on the recordings. Does it right, not pick up mine? Should I be using the metal one so it's no, louder? It doesn't pick Hold up on, yours. Let me, let me toss it higher. <laughs> nice, Jordo. That's exactly the sound that would be there. You got it. One of those All probably right. picked up. What you got, Zach? After I got roll, a 12. It rolled off the table. I caught it. I rolled it again so that I could actually roll. And uh, I got a 17. I actually rolled well. Whoa. All right, all right, you get to go first then. That never happens. Okay. What you gonna full spoil? I am going to full spoil. I'm gonna full spoil Matt being a horn blower, because he is. He blew the horn of Valir. It will not separate from him until he dies. He's gonna die a lot sooner than we expect, especially considering he'll still be around. As of the end of Fires of Heaven. The horn could be blown by anyone again at any point. Like, from mm -hmm. this point, exactly mm -hmm. where we are, two books from now, the horn is a free agent, ready to be blown and signed by anybody. And everyone just, like, assumes, no, no, that was Matt. Matt did it. He's still around, so it must be him. But no! Anybody could blow it during that time. But they don't know. It blows my mind that no one just, like, walks around the tower and goes, oh, this is cool. Hey, look, I'm blowing the horn of Valir and like jokingly blows it and gets tied to it. Nope. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> these, all these heroes show up all of a sudden and they're like, what? Why did you call us? I just, can you imagine <laughs> that like tower guard walking through goes, hey, I hear they keep the horn of Valir in here. Opens the door, gets it. Take a selfie for me. Not really because they don't have it, but like do a quick sketch. Blows it. And now it's like, well, I'm fired, but I'm also kept around and fed three square meals a day, so it's fine. All right. What I'm going to spoil is simply the fact that, okay, we have to keep it secret. Keep it safe. Nobody can know you blew the horn. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Wrong series. Yes, exactly. But all of us fantasy geeks recognize it. That's why <laughs> I did it. Okay. My point is that it's already out there. Yeah. And this is the thing from day one. The Shadow knows. Varen's Black Aja. She knows he blew it. So there is plenty of opportunity for the followers of the Dark One to know he's got it. Selene, Lanfear, knows knew. he blew the horn. Mm -hmm. Okay, now it's true, as you intimated earlier in the episode, that the Dark Ones don't all talk to each other. They're not all friendly and stuff. But there are multiple Dark Ones. Dark, uh, dark ones. No, there's only one dark one. Sorry. There are multiple dark friends who do know Matt's the hornblower. So from day one, to keep it secret is busted. Matt made the right call getting out of Tarvalon. 100%. I mean, we see it's coming up. We haven't done it yet, but it's coming up where he's going to even be tried to be killed right there in Tarvalon. 
Uh, he is right to be getting out of this city as fast as he can. If he'd listened to the Amerlin and obeyed her, disaster probably would have ensued. He probably would have been dead. Nah. And they would have stolen the horn. Nah, he's got plot armor. He's Taviran. He can't die permanently. Taviran. Okay. <laughs> so that's it. Not as big a spoiler as I do sometimes, but I, I just wanted to make sure we pointed that out. Anything else, Zach, for today, then? Uh, for today, I'm all right. I'm fine. Okay. Hopefully a little finer than when we started the episode. I'm more awake. I didn't wake up five minutes ago. I woke up, like, an hour and 45 minutes ago or something. All right. Well, we'll bring this to a close so you can get some water and bread. Good call. <laughs> and take care of yourself. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.